So page 966, 2 Corinthians, chapter 6, verse 1. Working together with him, then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favorable time, I listen to you, and in a day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is the fav favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We put no obstacle in anyone's way, so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, by great endurance, in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise. We are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet well known, as dying and behold we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing everything. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affections. In return, I speak as to children, widen your hearts also. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me says the Lord Almighty. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Make room in your hearts for us. We have wronged no one. We have corrupted no one. We have taken advantage of no one. And thanks for reading the passage. And uh, if you guys want to brunch to a new table, that's also okay. So don't feel that you have to squeeze all together. Winnie, do you want to join them? You could join them as well. Uh, and uh, thanks very much for reading again the passage for us. Uh, do keep your Bibles open and the handout um, so that you can follow along. And um, for, for those of us who've been coming to the series um, in our two current series, or those of us who have been new, uh, one of the, the big objectives of this series, as we've been saying, is to persuade um, all of us here to reorient our lives around gospel work. And what does that actually mean? Well, it looks like having a mindset shift and changing your mindset uh, that your workplace, um, your eight to five, the place where you go to work, that's your primary mission field. And also an acceptance that it will be costly uh, when you do so. And through conversations that, you know, I've been hearing and we've been sort of listening. Uh, there are a couple of questions that come up. Uh, one of the questions is, okay, what do we actually mean by gospel work? Is it all work? Is it sort of speaking the gospel? What do we mean by gospel work? Well, there are many things that uh, Christians are involved in, uh, charity work, 
uh, so mercy ministries helping local communities, and those are all excellent activities. However, Paul in 2 Corinthians, well, he defines uh, his ministry, uh, gospel work, in a much more focused way. Uh, primarily, it is about a speaking ministry. It is about speaking about Jesus Christ as Lord. Uh, chapter 2, verse 17, if you flip chapter 2, verse 17, um, he's speaking about him. So he, he speaks, uh, we speak in Christ. Chapter 4, verse 2, for him, it's all about open statement of truth. And chapter 4, verse 5, uh, he proclaims not himself, but Jesus Christ as Lord. Again, um, lots of activities that Christians are involved in, uh, very good activities, charitable activities, and those are all good things. But when Paul describes uh, the new covenant ministry or gospel work, it's much more narrowly defined. It is a speaking ministry. After all, that's what gospel means. Uh, gospel simply means good news. Um, so um, that's also worth saying that that will be the most challenging kind of work uh, because the more you speak, uh, the more pushback you will receive. Yet at the same time, it is the most joyful. Well, the next question that I think has sort of popped up is like, well, what does it actually look like in practice to, to reorient your lives around gospel work? Uh, what will it look like practically? Again, it might look like a variety of ways, and that's something worth chatting around tables. About two suggestions, um, just for me. Uh, one, it looks like standing publicly with the gospel. Uh, so you remember for the Corinthian church, for them was to stand publicly with Paul and his work and to uh, reject false teachers. And for us, it looks like standing publicly with the gospel. So I know there are individuals here who take it on themselves to invite their colleagues to come to lunch and talk because it's a public uh, event where the gospel has been publicly proclaimed. And so by doing so, uh, you are taking a public stand with the gospel. Uh, but second suggestion, uh, it's all about being perhaps intentional with relationships. Uh, we are in a post-COVID world and uh, relationships are hard. Uh, sometimes you... Uh, your colleagues, you've never met them before, you only see them on the screen. So it takes real effort to get to know your colleagues. And the reason why we do it is for the benefit of others, as out of genuine love, and to be intentional about relationships. So many suggestions, but here are two. One, to publicly stand with the gospel, but also to be intentional about relationships. But then here's the question for, for this lunchtime. How much does it actually matter if you really embrace gospel work? That's what I've been saying uh, for the past few weeks. It really matters. Uh, but for yourself, how much does it actually actually matter? How important is it for you to get wholly on board? Again, if you're new to Christianity, I appreciate this might be uh, quite a big ask. Uh, but at the same time, it's not a bad question to consider. Because if you were to decide to follow Jesus, well, how much of your life uh, should it impact? Now, how much does it actually matter if you fully embrace gospel work. But again, for those who would consider yourselves uh, regulars here, uh, maybe you do see the value of gospel work. But again, how much do you personally need to see, um, personally need to get involved yourself? Um, is it enough to stand on the side and to watch? How much personally do you need to get involved? Again, that's a question. How much does it matter if we embrace gospel work? And uh, over the past few weeks, Paul, he's been developing our understanding of what gospel work is. And this is the final week in this first section of 2 Corinthians before we move to a new section all about money. And so far, you see the handout, I put on the structure of, of the first section. Uh, we've seen the, the achievement of gospel work. It achieves the, 
the unveiled access to the glory of God. But then we saw the appearance. What does gospel work? What does it look like to engage in it? Well, it looks like uh, clay jar, something that's very weak. It's treasure in a jar of clay. Last week, we saw the aim, a demo of gospel work. It's focus, it's purpose. Um, at the heart of everything, it's reconciling people to their creator. But in this week, uh, the final week, we come to the appeal, the appeal of gospel work. How much does it matter if we embrace it? And we will see in our passage today that Paul is saying it does matter. It really does matter because the stakes are far higher than you imagine. And so if you're following the handout, we are on our first point. Embracing gospel work is nothing less than embracing the grace of God. Embracing gospel work is embracing the grace of God. Look at verse 1 of our passage today, chapter 6, verse 1. Working together with him, then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. And you see what Paul is saying. Do not receive the grace of God in vain. Well, what does Paul mean by the grace of God? Well, I think for Paul, it means to accept his ministry, uh, the gospel work that he's involved in. If you remember the context between the Corinthian church and Paul, uh, they don't really like him because they don't like his style, um, he, his insistence on speaking truth, his insistence on calling people to repentance, uh, but the costly uh, lifestyle that he's calling people to. And they don't like his appearance. Someone's weak, always being um, suffering, always being persecuted by people. But Paul is saying here, if you really understand what I've been saying over the past few chapters, if you really get it, uh, you will understand that what I'm doing is the grace of God and you will embrace my ministry, my work. And then what Paul goes on to say next, well, it's really interesting because in the previous chapters, chapters three and four, he, he sets out, if you like, the style guide of what authentic new covenant ministry looks like. And now in our passage in chapter six, he proves that his work, well, it fits the style guide. Uh, at work, if you have a PowerPoint presentation, uh, you know you've got style guides to fit to, uh, set up by your comms department. And then when you write, uh, you do this presentation, it needs to fit the style guide. And this is what Paul is saying. The style guide of new covenant ministry, well, it looks like a clay jar, a cracked up clay jar. And looks what, look at what he says in our passage today. Look at verse four. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance in affliction, hardships, calamities, beating, imprisonments, riot, labor, sleepless nights, hunger. Do you see his point? Uh, my work that I'm involved in, it fits the style guide of authentic Christian ministry. Again, the style guide set up before is all about inner transformation, not about the external, but all about the heart. That's what he said in chapter three. Look what he says in verse six. By purity, by knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, and genuine love. His point? the work that I'm involved in, it fits the style guide. It's all about inner transformation. Again, the style guide in chapter four, it's all about speaking truth, open statement of the truth. Uh, what does it say, say here? Look at verse seven. By truthful speech and the power of God with weapons of righteousness and for the right and for the left. Again, he says, what I do, it's all about truthful speech. It fits the style guide. 
And lastly, um, the, the style guide for new covenant authentic ministry was the combination of the death and life of Jesus. What does he say here? Look at verse 8. Through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as impostors, yet are true, as unknown and yet well known, as dying and behold we live, as punished yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing everything. Again, his point, my work and the work that I'm involved in, well, it fits the style guide of authentic Christian ministry. And so Paul is saying, uh, the work that I'm involved in, well, it is by the book. It is authentic new covenant ministry. It is the very work given by God. If you reject my work, you reject the grace of God. If you embrace gospel work, you are embracing the grace of God. And so for the Corinthian church, they were then then to, to accept Paul um, and his work, to embrace him and embrace the work that he does. And for us, it's very clarifying because the work that we are encouraging you to embrace, it's not a niche view. It is not a stylistic thing. It's not something that some churches do. It's not something that what the luncheon talks are focusing on. And what we are encouraging you are to adopt gospel work, uh, despite all the rejection you might face, is because this is what Paul did. Uh, this is what the Apostle Paul did. This is new covenant ministry. Uh, this is how God has determined things to be. This is the grace of God. You see, embracing gospel work is simply embracing the grace of God. It is the normal Christian life. We see Paul, he, he doesn't stop there. He says embracing gospel work is embracing the grace of God, but he raises the stakes even higher. Because secondly, on your handout, to embrace gospel work is to embrace God over idols. To reject gospel work is to engage in idolatrous worship. Look at verse 11 of our passage. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own afflictions, affections. In return, I speak as to children. Widen your hearts also. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? What fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Baal? What portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? What Paul's saying here is very, very striking. And maybe on the surface of things, things can feel a bit jarring. Well, he starts with saying, please, will you accept us? Will you open your heart? And then he starts admonishing them, telling them to um, stay away um, from partnership with unbelievers. And so it may feel a little bit jarring, what Paul was saying. But actually, it fits perfectly. Because if you think about it, to accept Paul and his ministry, it is to reject partnership with unbelievers. And so Paul's point is that there's only one you must choose between one or the other. And you see the binaries that Paul was fleshing out. It's righteousness or lawlessness. It is light or darkness. It's Jesus or Baal, or that's, I guess that's Satan, or is a believer or an unbeliever. And the point of uh, putting things in such black and white terms is saying to us that you must choose. Or you must choose. You cannot say you choose God and you reject his apostle and his work. If you say you choose God, you must embrace his apostle and his work. And so you must choose 
But why is the contrast so strong? Well, because of this new identity that we have. Look at verse 16. What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Um, As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you will be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bring holiness completion in the fear of God. Paul's point is this new covenant ministry of mine, it's all about the spirit given in individuals' hearts. And therefore, you are now the temple of the living God. What about comes to mind when you, you think of the, the word temple? What it conjures up uh, some sort of sacred space, some holy, something that's pure, something that's consecrated, a space uh, which no default things comes into contact. But what Paul is saying is, don't think about the building. It is all about you. You are that holy space, that sacred space. You are the temple of the living God. And what's his point? Again, there cannot be a mix of light and darkness. You must choose between one or the other. And so to embrace Paul or to embrace gospel work, it is to choose light over dark. It is to choose God over idols. It is to choose Jesus over Satan. It is to choose believers over unbelievers. Simply put, it is to be a Christian. See, for the Corinthian church, for them was to avoid pagan worship. Uh, with the the un, with the Gentiles, and not to partners with idolaters, to cleanse themselves uh, for ungodly behavior, to embrace Paul and his work. And for us, it's not to say that uh, you cannot have friends uh, with people who are not Christian, but the point being that you cannot share the same values. Uh, you cannot love the same things. You cannot share the same desires. And this is one of the reasons why if you are a Christian, it is right not to marry a non-Christian. And the reason is not because of a legalistic ruling from God, but it's about identity. Do you know who you are? Paul says you are the temple of the living God, and you cannot be in partnership with unbelievers. And so you must choose. You must choose, Paul says. Do you know who you are? You have the spirit of the living God in you. And if we do so, if we don't do so, we will not embrace gospel work. There's a tight connection between our own godliness and our willingness to embrace gospel work. A close connection between secret sin and evangelistic, evangel- evangelistic zeal. And so it is Christian to be orientating your life around the gospel. It is Christian to be speaking about Jesus. It is Christian to be feeling the cost of standing publicly of Jesus. There's no level one and level two Christianity. This is Christianity 101. To embrace gospel work is to embrace God over idols. It is Christian. It is normal Christianity. And so how much does it matter if we actually take on board what Paul is saying here? How much does it matter if we embrace gospel work? Paul says, it really matters. It really does. It is the gift of God. It is the grace that he gives to us. It is embracing him over idols. It is simply being a Christian. And how he he persuades us 
is that Paul, he wants us to understand the times that we are in. You see, because there was a time that it was an unfavorable time. Uh, there was no hope. Humanity separated from God. And God's rescue plan looked like it had failed. Uh, the nation of Israel, they were not transformed. They were not upholding the truth. They were not a light to the nations. And God's people became not his people. See, there was a time where things were unfavorable. But look at chapter 6, verse 2. For he says, in the favorable time, I listened to you. In the day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the favorable time. The old covenant, where the law was written on tablets of stone, is no more. The new covenant, the great promises of God, is now. Hearts are transformed by his spirit. Now is the favorable time. All the promises of all are yes and amen in Jesus. And so it's right. It is right to embrace gospel work because now is the time. And can I speak to you if you don't yet have a relationship with God? Paul is imploring you. He's appealing to you to be reconciled with him, your creator. Receive the forgiveness that is on offer through his son because now is the time of salvation. The next week, we move on to the topic of money. Uh, but this week, before we move there, it is an appeal. It is a, it's a call to decision. Uh, do you see the significance of what it means to reorient your lives around the gospel? Paul is saying, do you see how significant it is? It is part and parcel of being a Christian. It is not a niche view. Uh, this is authentic new covenant ministry. This is authentic Christianity. And so can I appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain? Again, if you are Christian here today, I want to encourage you to see that we are in this favorable moment. It is a favorable time before it's too late, before the Lord returns. But this is the day of salvation. And so the call to embrace gospel work, uh, it's not just for you, it's for me, it's for all of us here. Uh, because to embrace it is simply to be Christian. Well, how much does it matter? Well, it matters a lot. A verse before we, we close, uh, chapter 6, verse 1. Working together with him then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Why don't I pray? Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Oh, Father, we do pray that you help us to understand the times rightly. And in doing so, Father, we pray that we might embrace this great work of yours. And we do ask for your help. In Jesus' name, amen.